Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. Today our scripture reading will be from John 1, 35 through 42. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent the day with him. It was about the tenth hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John, and you will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. This is the word of the Lord. Well, Happy New Year, everyone. Hey, so this is kind of a fun thing. This is our one-year anniversary of being in Covington. I just realized that. How cool is that? Just realize it. We love this school, and it's, uh, we love this place of worship as well. So uh, New Year is a funny thing to me. It's funny that every year we approach the, you know, January 1st kind of with, all right, reset, just to start over. All right, this year is going to be different. I'm going to do all the things I know I should have done. But it's, it's a day like any other. And uh, it's funny to me that we just kind of fabricate this idea of, all right, today it's a reset button. It's kind of like this, uh, this unique thing. But there's one thing I know about God is God is the God of new beginnings. He's the God of, of uh, new beginnings when we are created and recreated in him. Even Jesus in the very end in the Revelation says, Behold, I'm making all things new. And so many times for us we might think about these New Year's resolutions, but I think God has dreams and longs longings for us. So as we enter in this new year, the vine, we want to help you have a different kind of year. We want to to partner uh, with God to help you have this next year be the best year ever, full of significance and purpose and joy, knowing that this year will have ups and downs, but the fact that we get to be intentional about having a different kind of year. So I want to begin with a word of warning that Jesus shares, kind of just a nice ease into this sermon, right? A word of warning, this is from uh, Jesus, Matthew 7, 13 and 14. He says this, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. This saying should stop us in our tracks. Jesus is giving a warning, because I would think most of us think that broad is the way towards the good life. And Jesus is actually saying, no, 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 it's actually, it's narrow. It's difficult to find. So don't expect to go through this year, this life, half attentive, half mindful, and expect to to live the life that you've been created to live. It seems that Jesus is warning us that broad is the road that leads to destruction. So if you want to go with the flow, if you want to check out, keep your head down and just get through this year, Don't expect to experience the good life, the life that you've been created to live. 
So it takes being intentional. It takes being deliberate. And so this series, we're creating five signposts, five weeks, five signposts to help point ways to this narrow gate. Say, hey, this, this might be a way in which we can experience deeper purpose, deeper significance, deeper joy this year. And in our scripture reading today, we find one of the signposts that Jesus might give us. Jesus shares with us in that scripture reading one of his favorite questions. But before we get there, uh, just a little setting the stage here of us understanding uh, what's going on in this. So John the Baptist was already on the scene. He was kind of a wild man. He lived off in the obscurity of the, of the deserts on the fringe of society. He dressed differently, he ate differently, and he had a u- unique ministry to call people to change how they were living. He called people to repent. And he also had the purpose of preparing the way for the Christ to come. And here he has students uh, that were called disciples, and they were following him uh, like a teacher. They would call him a rabbi. And this is different than most a teacher and a student relationship. They're not just showing up to a, a couple hour a lecture here and there. That these disciples, they actually lived with their rabbi. They actually shared most of life with their rabbi. There's an old uh, saying uh, in Jewish literature that it, you know a disciple because they are usually covered by the dust of their rabbi's sandals. So their life was to follow their rabbi so closely that it would be an honor to be covered with their dust. And so understanding this, we, we see here that John is doing something really unique. This is in John 1.35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. And when they saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. Like it just, when he saw Jesus passing by, like just bumped into each other, picking up dry cleaning or something like that. He bumped into him and said, hey, that is the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say, this is in verse 37, they followed Jesus. So they just heard John, who they had been following for how, we don't know how long, and John says, hey, there's the Lamb of God. And immediately they stop following John and start following Jesus, which for me is like a, a bit abrupt, right? Like you're living with, following this one rabbi, and immediately just because of someone saying that, you immediately switch over and start following Jesus. It makes me think of how predisposed we might be just to jump on to the next thing, the next hope, the next fad, the next movement. Uh, even our New Year's resolutions can be somewhat like this. We just, all right, what's the next thing? Okay, that next thing, that next diet, whatever it might be. I, uh, it, I spent a lot of time at Whole Foods. Uh, we live right behind uh, Whole Foods, so I like taking a walk and praying. And I've seen many of you guys there. You're nodding your head. I've taken a little office there. There's me and a couple of weirdos that just, they walk around and just eat samples like all day long. And uh, it's, I love Whole Foods because it's so quirky. It's like even in suburbia right next to Costco, there's like this organic, weird little Austin enclave. And one of my favorite things to do is to find out what's the next thing. What's the next thing? Is it, oh, it's a, it's a non-GMO, it's organic, it's grass-fed, it's free-range. Okay, you know the next thing is actually chia seed. Chia seed is where it's at. You know that? Oh, and then, and then you start, people are, they're drinking watermelon water, coconut water. There's now, people just go there and drink broth, like bone broth. They warm it in the microwave. I mean, I love this. I love this about, it's just whatever's the next thing. And it makes, me, it makes me think just how predisposed we are 
just to, just to follow whatever, what is the, the thing that's in front of us that people are giving themselves hope. Obviously, John was hoping for this. He was setting the stage for Jesus to come. And these disciples, they just followed the best thing in front of them, which was at this point, Jesus. And at that moment, Jesus then asks one of his favorite questions in verse 38. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? Isn't that self-evident, Jesus? They wanted to follow you as a rabbi. They maybe wanted to see what in the world John meant by saying, look, the Lamb of God. But I think Jesus used this question to move people into a deeper way of questioning and considering themselves and their life. What do you want can be a hard question to answer. I was reminded of this when I saw a movie last month. It's a classic example of how it can be hard to remember what you really, really want. A simple question. Come on! Listen, little boy, we've got a lot of people waiting here, so get going! What do you want for Christmas, little boy? My mind had gone blank. Frantically, I tried to remember what it was I wanted. I was blowing it, blowing it. Come on, kid. How about a nice uh, football? 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 What's a football? <laughs> Without conscious will, my voice squeaked out. Football. Okay, get him out of here. A football? Oh, no. Okay, what was I doing? Wake up, stupid. Wake up. No. Ow. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Into the fluff of despair, right there. That classic. Ugh. Ralphie knew what he wanted. He knew. He had been practicing that. He had been like waiting for Christmas. He knew exactly what he wanted. But he got distracted either by the, the mall, the, the scary elves, the, the cloud that his brother was just resting on the bottom of, of the slide. And somehow he forgot that he wanted an, an official Red Rifle, Red Rider Carbine Action 200 shot range model air rifle. He forgot it somehow. We might be like Ralphie. We know that what we deeply long for, but we have a hard time taking that longing with us in the front of our minds into the rest of life. We have a hard time when, when we wake up and, and the world's already spinning at 60 miles per hour and our to-do list is like this never-ending pamphlet. It's hard to remember our deeper longings. When uh, we nod our heads at the opportunity at getting a stupid football, when we know when we've been created for so much more, we might be like these disciples. We follow the best thing in front of us. And in doing so, maybe you've just kind of wandered into 2018 with a bunch of ambiguity in what you truly want, just kind of half-mindful following Jesus. And I wonder, I just wonder if Jesus would want to stop, stop you in this tracks and saying, hey, before we move on, what do you want? Like, like what do you like really want from me? What do you really want from life? What do you really want this year? What do you truly want? And we might be able to spout off the, 
the answers that we know we should say. But uh, there's oftentimes there's a great disparity between what we know we should want and then the rest of our life. I heard someone in an interview this past week say, our behavior is our truer language. We might know the right answer when we are asked, what do we want? But then when we look at our life, we are struck with, what do we give our attention to? What do we make sacrifices for? What gets your thoughts? What gets your devotion? For example, I think Jesus might see my life and say, Mark, what do you really want? And then he'd watch my life. And in watching my life, he would see that I really, really want my kids to be in bed at 7.30 so I can become a puddle on the couch and watch West Wing with my wife. A couple episodes. I know, it's so sad. It's, this is what I really want. And that's my fears, hearing the monitor go off. You know, oh, i got to take care of our kids here. That's what I really want. Another thing I really want is I really want my to-do list to get checked off as quickly as possible. And it doesn't matter if I have to sacrifice my own health, my relational availability to my family or my friends. I'll cut that all short just to get things done because it feels awesome to be productive. That's what I really want. That's what my behavior is truly saying. Yet our souls have deep longings that go beyond binge-watching on Netflix. They have deep longings, and yet we spend most of our days chasing promotions, numbing ourselves with entertainment, acquiring the next big toy. And there's nothing wrong with getting that, that, that great job, nothing wrong with getting that Jeep or paying down your mortgage. They're just lousy reasons to live. We've been created for so much more. C.S. Lewis, he said, this is a great quote that I hope we talk about often in this church. This is from The Weight of Glory. It seems that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what it is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are too easily pleased. I think many of us, when we think about our relationship with God, we actually think that, that God might be uh, a bit afraid of all our wants, all our desires. But I wonder if God would flip it around and go, oh, you're just so easily pleased. You've been created for so much more. Our desires are not too strong, but they're too weak. It's like someone who's like just entertained by looking at their cell phone, like looking at cat videos on their cell phone, standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon. You know, it's like we've been created to delight, to relish in so much more in life, yet we're so easily pleased. And I think that Jesus would look at our wish list and it would, for this next year and say, more. I want more for you. I want more than you just keeping your head down and getting through this year. I want more. I want more for your relationships. I want more from in our relationship together. I want you, I want you to know that, that this year might be a year of a spiritual breakthrough. I want you to know that this year might be a breakthrough year for your marriage or your friendships. That this could be the year where you actually figure out what it's like to, to hear my voice in prayer. This could be the year where you could learn what it's meant to have faithful generosity. I want more for you this year. And if we go back to our scripture reading, this is how they respond to the question, what do you want? 
They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you saying? Which is an interesting question to the question, right? And he said, come and you will see, verse 39. That is an incredible invitation by Jesus. His invitation for us always is come and see. So they went and they saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon and Simon, Andrew, Simon's brother, was one of the two who heard that, what John had said and who had followed Jesus. And the first thing that Andrew did was to find his, his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. On this day, we don't know what happened, but on this day, Andrew experienced something profound, that it was more than Jesus being a better version of John than John was. It's more than Jesus being a really good rabbi. Notice his words to his brother. We have found the Messiah. The answer to all of our deepest longings, all the ones that we have, we have found the Christ. We have found the one who will save us. We have found the one who is going to lead us. And in verse 42, he brings his brother to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and he said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. When Jesus sees Simon, he gave Simon a new name, a new start, a new identity. Something that we all long for. And Andrew and Peter would spend the next three years figuring out what it really meant to come and see. What it really meant to follow this Lamb of God. And I believe that Jesus still extends this invitation to us to come and see. Notice it's not go and figure out. It's not go and get yourself right. It's actually come. I want you to experience me. I want you to, to know me. I want you to know uh, in, in this relationship who I am. Jesus wants you to spend this year experiencing him walking with him, learning how to live and love like he loves. This is the only way that you have the best year ever, is this is a year with Christ. Interesting, in John 15, Jesus explained his relationship with us by using a word picture that we chose for our, our church's name. Of Jesus saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. And one of the things that he promised in this, uh, in this parable is that, uh, that if you remain with me, if you remain connected to the vine as a branch, then you will be fruitful. Our job is not to go and do, it's just, just to remain in Christ, to remain following him, to stay connected to Jesus, and in doing so, we, he promises that we will be fruitful. And do you know the most common fruit that he talks about in that chapter? Joy. That as we remain connected to Jesus, as we come and see, a byproduct of that vibrant relationship is joy. A deep, eternal satisfaction and delight that goes beyond mere happiness in this world. This is what it means to want more. And so I, I just don't want to use this moment just to talk, have a sermon. I want, we, actually, we actually want to interrupt your life this morning and ask, ask you this question. What do you want this year? What do you want from this life? There's a great proverb, Proverb 20. Verse 5, the purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. Our souls, the proverb seems to say, our souls are like deep wells, and down deep in that well are the purposes and the plans that God has for us. And the wise one is the one who stops and draws them out. There's wisdom to doing that. So we want to help you this week draw out the purposes of your heart that we believe God's put in there. 
This is a gift I think God wants to give you. Sit beside you, beside deep waters, and help you discover what your soul really longs for. And so, and part of that is uh, we gave you these cards when you came in. If you did not receive a card, if you could raise your hand. We have our usherettes in the back. They're going to help. Great. So keep your hand raised. And this, uh, this card, we has opportunity for you to think about what do you really want for this next year? What do you want out of your relationships? What do you want out of your spiritual life? What do you want, uh, how do you want to serve? We believe that a good life is one that's not about yourself. If you want to experience the good life, you're going to have to pour yourself out. So who, who do you feel like God's calling you to serve? What, what fills your soul? What a special event, what adventure, what memory do you want to make in 2018? God is a memory maker. Jesus is a memory maker. So what memory do you want to make this year? What has been a purposeful mission that's been dormant? What's been something that you feel like God's put on your heart that you've just kind of been burying and pushing down for a while? And what's something you, that you need to leave behind? If 2018 is to be a new and different year, what's something that you can leave behind? And then as a church, on the backside, we, we have a couple of things that we would like to share for you, of things that we're intentionally going to do to help you have a great year. And so my encouragement for you is to find, to steal away about 10 minutes sometime this week. Not much, right? Just 10 minutes. And just sit down and just start praying and drawing out from the deep water of your soul, what do you really want? What do you really want out of this year? And for you to hear that that question from Jesus. And then once you've been once you write it down, once it's been drawn out of your mind and soul, then you should hear the invitation from Jesus to come and see. Come and see how this year could be different. He will be faithful to show you the way. Jesus wants to lead you through the narrow gate to further that you could experience life and life to the full so that you might know deep significance and purpose and joy. So friends, what do you want? 